We play and call it work. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWarGaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to the Shrine of Chaos. Today, we have a special guest. We have Steven from Vanguard Tactics. Now, Steven from Vanguard Tactics is, uh, is what you would call a competitive uh, 40K channel. Uh, he uh, is on the fun side of competitive, and uh, he's been doing this for a good amount of time now. And he has a unique business model in that he teaches people how to be better players, better competitive players. And uh, he has a claim, and his claim is learn from the number one, or is it best, Blood Angels player you were last year. Which one was it? Yeah, so it was, I was the number one ITC-ranked Blood Angel player. Okay, all right. So I'm excited about that because being a Blood Angels player, I can certainly learn a lot from you. Uh, and I am excited to jump into that just for a moment. And I do need to say, because the title of, or the, the subject of today's uh, discussion is uh, clarifying or breaking the stigma of competitive play and how uh, there's a lot of uh, negative, negative negativity associated with that. And uh, I think it would it'd be good uh, for yourself uh, to help to clarify that because being a competitive player you would be able to speak much better about that than than i could and so uh uh yeah so how's it going how's it going first off well first of all dave thanks so much for having me on it's a pleasure honestly it's a real privilege oh you're very welcome glad to have you um but yeah all good at my end um obviously we've got some lockdown challenges here um but apart from that it's kind of it's been a real roller coaster this year um vanguard tactics is 18 months old so it's quite sort quite fresh really Mm -hmm. um but the it's it's kind of covid's been really interesting for the business it's actually really helped me go full-time now with vanguard tactics which is incredible um and leave kind of my own my older career um which i never thought i'd ever leave behind um as i used to be a professional nutritionist for bodybuilders actors and um, anybody that really wanted to change the way that their sort of relationship was with their body whether they wanted to improve more muscle so yeah i've kind of really yeah it's come a, a, like a 180 really from fitness to gaming yeah <laughs> so okay so just uh, talking about that for a moment uh what what made you decide to make that change to to go and pursue content creation slash uh, coaching happiness okay quite simply happiness yep. my mental health yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I love bodybuilding as a sport myself. Um, and I, you know, I could talk for hours about bodybuilding. But you know, I used to be a international competitive bodybuilder. Um, I travelled around the world competing in bodybuilding and other sports. But I, it just became too overwhelming, and I really needed something to break away from. You know, training, coaching, absolutely everything used to be about training, and I thought. I really got back to my roots of, you know, being a kid, picking up Warhammer again. And actually channels like yourself, Dave, really helped me kind of grasp the basics back in when I first started learning 40K, which is an eighth edition again. So, um, yeah. Um, And actually then fell in love with competitive play. But I found it to be an interesting take on sport and sportsmanship and what was fair and fair play. And I thought, you know what, I need to make content on this because... As a somebody that has spent their entire life playing volleyball, hockey, yeah, you know, international level, I understand what it takes to be a sportsman. 
and I felt I felt there was something missing from 40k and I thought how can I make an impact and how can I make a change and that's kind of what led me to Vanguard Tactics in I think the only thing that's really stay true amongst those two aspects is teaching mm. um you know I was teaching people to understand more about the basics of nutrition and training um and when I was younger I trained to be a teacher so that was kind of what my education is in is, is education itself so I thought why don't I do exactly the same but for 40k and I, I built the academy which is our online course where essentially you can learn everything from the fundamentals to become a critical thinker about the game so that I can really help people become the best general at the tabletop through playing in the right way by being the best general, by using the best strategies, the best combinations in such a way that you can really enjoy the army that you're using, really get that sense of, I, I love this character, I want to see him do well, I'm going to build my army around him to make sure he can be efficient and effective rather than I'm going to win at all costs and I'll cheat wherever I can. And um, it's not about that. It's about how do we get the most out of our models and really how do we get the most out of our hobby, which we love so much. Hmm. So what would you say is the, what's the number one stigma of competitive players, competitive play? I think the, the stigma that I sometimes get as a competitive player is that competitive players have to win at all costs. Okay. They're whack. Right. They are, they'll do anything to win. And it's not about that. It's really not about that. For me, anyway, that's not my personal take on competitive play. And that's what I want to change, yeah. So what is, what should competitive play be then? If you could uh, create the definition in Urban Dictionary, competitive Warhammer 40k play, what would you say should be the, the definition of it? So I think it's a great question. Um, and for me, it's the three E's. in. If we're talking about competitive play in Warhammer, the three E's, it needs to be effective, it needs to be efficient, and it needs to be enjoyable. So you could break that down into whatever. You need to have an effective and efficient list, it, you know, performing well mm -hmm. in the environment that we play in. So it could be in a certain tournament, whether it's the WTC, the LVO, SoCal, you need to have a list that can go through each of those stages of challenge that you're going to be up against. But you need to be able to enjoy the whole process as well, because enjoying whatever you do will mean that you can endure the tough times. If you enjoy the army, you'll, you'll be able to kind of um, eat crap for a while, I suppose, or whatever it might be to make sure that we can, you know, get through those times when the codex might not be super strong or whatever it might be. So enjoyment is an absolute must. And I think competitive for me really makes us bring our best to the table. So I'm not just going to let my opponent win. I'm not just going to roll over. I'm going to try for every single minute that I have to bring my A game to really make sure that I'm using all the best tactics and strategies that I can to make sure that you get the best experience by giving you the best challenge and the best mental challenge possible. Mm. You know, that's it's interesting because, uh, as you know, our channel, we're not competitive. We don't focus on that. Uh, we, we play the game. We have fun with the game. We're casual gamers casual slash narrative so when we play the games there i mean there's definitely a competitive element to it but we don't focus on competitive play so our, our lists aren't the most effect uh they're not the most efficient uh are they effective uh that's relative to what constitutes being effective if our goal is to make a a fun bat rep that people will enjoy then uh that, that it's relative to what we're trying to do right uh, efficient Absolutely not. 
there's definitely more efficient lists that we could be fielding and trying out. Uh, in enjoyment, absolutely, there's the enjoyment. Uh, so it's interesting because I, I want to focus on the efficiency for a second here because sometimes we get those comments that are, oh, you should have brought this, you should have brought this unit, you should have brought more of these, less of those. There's always that uh, the efficiency type of comments that uh, I think if it was a competitive channel, yes, it would make sense to make those comments. But since it's not and we're that's not the overall goal, uh, wh where do you think the line is between max efficiency and I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question because some armies have like you can max efficient the armies and it would make them uh, a lot of people would find the list boring because it's like yeah. a duplication of multiple units and I see what I'm fighting uh, like how do you what's the line like what, what do you think is yeah. what, what do you think should be done there yeah, I think the first thing that um, the first point is when we talk about what one man's or lady's efficiency might be completely different to somebody else's. And um, I always think about in terms of a list aspect. Let's so if we just focus on the list, there's three points that justify why you might take something. And that is their initial points cost. It might be the way that they're they play the mission in interaction with how they score on the primary or the secondary missions. And then finally, the third part of that triad is actually their rules. So you've got those three things that we need to try and balance at any one time to understand why are we taking that one unit, okay? So if I use this in a dieting setting, you could go out and enjoy, you know, a, a burger, for example, burger and fries once a week, but that doesn't mean you have a bad diet. It just means you've gone out and you've enjoyed a burger and chips because that's your preference, you enjoy it, and it keeps your sanity through you know maybe eating some of the chicken in salad meals for uh, you know if that's primarily what your diet's made up of who knows what i'm trying to say is you can't just look at one thing in isolation you have to look at the entire composition of the list of how it functions so mm. i run dante in my blood angel list okay so i think dante i love the model i've created my own conversion he's sick he's dante he's the chapter master He's going in the list, regardless of good or bad, he's in. Okay, mm. He makes the squad because he's Dante. He picks the team, he's in. I will then make my army around Dante. So somebody could say to me, oh, but a chapter master with a T for tear is better. And I'm like, no, because everybody else does that. I don't want to be boring, and I want to bring Dante because he's cool. So that's my personal preference and opinion, by the way. If you love a T for tear chapter master, that's up to you. But... I will then build the rest of my army to ensure that I can score on the primary, I can score on the secondaries, and I've got enough efficiency in my list to be able to tackle a knight. I've got enough efficiencies in my list to tackle 20 Necron warriors so they don't hmm. stand back up. And that's how you need to justify. And that's something that I really get across to my students is all about critically thinking. So when they send me a list to review, I make sure that they've gone through and justified every single warlord trait, relic, gun weapon loadout to make sure they've actually thought about their list rather than just gone off gone on the internet and copied somebody else's or they don't because they don't understand the why and the why is so important when we do anything or if we want to master anything it's all about understanding the why and the how not just the what and i think that's something that mm. um you know i get that all the time steve why don't you take this in your list and sometimes it's well i, I can't afford those models right now uh, <laughs> i can't afford 18 um 
plasma interceptors in every single army. Um, my channel's only 12, you know, 18 months old, so there's only so many models I can build and paint in 18 months. Um, and sometimes that's my answer. But yeah, I, I feel your pain in terms of the uh, comments from there. But again, it, you've got to look at it with a much wider scope and go, why has Steve took Dante? What does he offer that maybe a chapter master doesn't? Because the answer's in there somewhere if you can look deep enough. That's You know what? That's interesting because that to me uh, says that it is efficient, but it's based around the why. And the why is I'm bringing this guy because he's cool. So ultimately it's rule of cool. Is, is that accurate? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't do a whole army ruler cool, but because it might not synergize. But I think there's certainly like if you like the eighty twenty principle, right? Okay. If if we apply the eighty twenty principle, you can afford twenty percent of rule of cool if the rest of your army's well efficient to make that twenty percent work and function well. Right. So I've got I've got a theme in idea. I've got a theme in mind. That's what I'm going with. Um, I probably, like, I think Mephiston's cool as well, but I can't probably take both. I can't justify it. So that I have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to draw uh, comparisons here and uh, uh, things that we would do. Okay. So here's my process. So when I, when I build a list, I, I go downstairs and I, I look at the shelf of minis and... Yep. Sometimes there's like, you know, new stuff is coming, come in and it's painted nice. And that's actually my number one. It's like, ooh, newly painted models. I want to feel them because they're shiny and pretty. So that's, I want to feel them first. And then other stuff that I, I think is cool. When it comes to like efficiencies, I'm mm -hmm. not a good enough player to know the, the, the efficiencies. I'm just not, right? I, I don't, I, I don't focus on it. And I, I, I I wouldn't know uh, what the best possible uh, combination is. Uh, I just think, hey, that's cool. Like uh, Dante, I love bringing him with Sanguinary Guard. It's like, hey, that's cool because uh, they got the Arizona Ascalon, uh, Ascalon rule, right? Where they can actually benefit from that. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll bring them because it's all cool. Bring them together. One blob, close combat attack, corn's happy. <laughs> yeah. So that's Absolutely. what that's what I think, right? Uh, like and if, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, then I have no idea. Uh, and so that's that's how I go into it. Uh, and it's... Okay, here's my challenge to you then, Dave. Okay. We're playing Blood Angels, okay? Uh-huh. You want to take some Death Company. Yes. And bear in mind, I used to get so much stick for taking Death Company. They used to be like... The, the, the internet trolls used to be like, Steve, but Death Company are rubbish. They die to a stiff breeze. And I'm like, well, don't stand in the wind then. Put them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They used to be my best reply. But... Okay, how many death company do you think it takes to kill a knight? And what <laughs> weapons would you give them? And how many of them? Go oh, on, give me geez. your best guess. Uh, how many death company you take into a knife fight? Into a knight fight? Um, yeah. Let's see. Like, are we talking regular death company or primaris death company? Oh, regular with a jump pack. Regular with jump, jump pack. pack. Okay, jump pack. That's important. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean... If you're not taking a jump pack, you're not a blood angel, so you've got to take a jump pack. <laughs> uh, I would, I'd feel good with ten, I guess. I mean, that's a that's cool. a lot of attacks with yeah, 10, ten, and then a couple thunder hammers in there. How many thunder hammers? Two. Is two is two enough? I don't. I'd know. It doesn't feel like it's enough. It would have to be okay. like four. Uh, is it? I don't know. I don't know the math. Okay. <laughs> four. Four might just about do it. But what you're going to take just to make sure you definitely do it? 
eight. Five. Oh, five. Okay. Yeah, five. So four is on the cusp. Five. I'll chuck another one in for safety. Yeah. You okay. know, he that unit can go in and do its job. You know, but you're probably not going to give it a hand flamer. You're probably not going to give it a plasma pistol or anything like that. You're just going to go five boys hammers, five boys chainsaws. Let's go, lads. We're going in. And I think that's where, like, we're still taking the same units, but our mindset on, I wanted to create a unit to do a task for me, and that's simply it. Um, if I wanted Sanguinary Guard to go in and clear loads of Necron Warriors, I probably want 10 of those, and I'll just give them swords. So hmm. what I'm never going to do, though, and this really kind of grites my gears, is when I see this and they go, I'm playing against so-and-so this weekend, what should I take? No, you take the list you take every single list week because actually sometimes i think i used to get this when i used to go to my local club people used to tailor against me oh steve's bringing eldar or steve's bringing this i'm going to take that hmm. that is the most win it all cost attitude i've ever heard <laughs> for casual comp i just don't get it so my advice is you want to build a list so it has all this flexibility and hmm. balance in it so no matter who you play at your local club you can have a really good game with the army that you know and love and that you have repetitions with. Hmm. You know, Bruce Lee said he doesn't fear a man that, you know, has done 10,000 different kicks. He fears a man that's done one kick a thousand times. And that's really hmm. that, that, that skill with an army, knowing exactly what you can throw 10 Death Company in with five hammers in. What, how many units can you send that into to do a job for you? So then when you get to the table, you go, that's not a good decision for me. That is a that is a fight I'm not going to win, right? Mm -hmm. But that fight, I'm winning. I'm going over there instead. And that's where I think a good general can direct his troops rather than thinking, okay, I'm going to try and catch you out here if you make a mistake or I'm not going to let you have that go back because if I do, you'll win the game. No, I'm, I'm chilled. I'm cool. I let people have go backs. Um, you know, because I want to, I want you to bring your best against me, Dave. And I'm probably even help you and say, look, Dave, don't do that. Cause no, it's not going to end well for you by all means, carry on. But you could do this instead and you'll be like, oh, okay. Cheers, Steve. And I'd do that in a tournament, providing that you're a cool guy and you're not trying to catch me out either. So mm. Um, that's kind of where I like to draw the line of, you know, essentially we're getting into efficiencies now, aren't we? We're thinking mm -hmm. about what does it take to do something reliably and consistently? Because if any good scientist really focuses on a test that's repeatable and, you know, something that you can then assess in retest. I, I, I really, really like that mindset. I, I think it's a good, it's a fantastic attitude whether you're a competitive yeah, player or not. It doesn't, just it's a good gamer attitude to have. Uh, it's, it's, you know, let's enjoy this game. And you know what? There is something to be said also about bringing your best tactics to the table because when you defeat me, you've worked for it. And you know you've defeated an opponent that was uh, a worthy adversary. You know, like uh, you had to try. And it wasn't just, okay, you walked all over me. It was a leaf blower. Or, or uh, you know, I was uh, poor tactics. It was just, yes, it's a puzzle that you're putting together throughout the entire game. There's back and forth. And then when you get the victory, it's, yeah, that was a well-earned victory. And I, I love those games. Those games are my favorite because they go back and forth. There is that satisfaction of the, the puzzle at the beginning. How am I going to do this? How am I going to grab this objective? How can these guys survive? How am I going to prevent this from happening? Like, there's all of that. 
and that's that's the meat of the game and i i love that i love that and i absolutely yeah. agree with the with the take backs and all that it's like you know if you were not thinking about a million things and you remembered that you would have done it it's like an automatic thing you would have done it right so just yeah just go ahead and do and, it i forgot my psychic phase oh okay well just you would have done it like i don't want to win because you forgot your psychic phase that's just silly yeah yeah I think there's, um, on the topic of go-backs, I think it's an interesting one because I think at some point you have to draw a line, obviously. Um, and I think I look at it as, is what you're trying to do going to, or could I have done anything differently that may have changed the decision-making process at that time? Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you get to the end of your psychic phase and you say, oh, Steve, I forgot to cast this power. Do you mind if I go back? Well, what if I denied one of your other powers? Do you see what I mean? Or what mm. if I had to spend a CP to deny a power that I, I wanted to deny because I thought you were out of powers? Or mm. maybe I used a stratagem to deny it. Well, I've actually made a fair few decisions in between you doing that and me. So I think, I mean, that's just one example. But again, it comes down to could I or have I done anything that is impacted now that decision or would that be... You know, and I think there, there there becomes levels of what's significant, really, right? So, yeah. um, like you said, if it's if you don't have, let's say you're playing Tau, you've got no denies ability anyway, and your opponent goes right, I'm going for my movement phase, and they just shoot one unit, and then they go, oh, I've got my psychic phase. Yeah, go back and do it, no problem. Go and do it. You know, it it doesn't matter. Or, um, you know, maybe you're talking about you know what you're doing at the weekend, and you forgot to clear that one charge, and you know fine do it you know it's not a problem if you've just got to the combat stage as long as nothing could have else happened it's cool do you know what i mean yeah yeah uh and i think i think the the biggest for me anyway the biggest grace uh attitude is the entire movement phase because you basically have this phase where your opponent doesn't really interact with it in rare circumstances they can but mostly it's just you moving your stuff uh, and it's like, oh man, you know, that would have been way better over there. This literally doesn't affect anything except for maybe a future turn. So like that, I think that's for me, that's like, yeah, just, I mean, you can literally do an infinite amount of moves there and it makes no difference to me. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I think that's the easiest one. Yeah. And, and I always like, let's say, um, I was using chaos Knights yesterday on the stream and, uh, you see me, I don't know if people notice this when they watch me play, um, and I stream every week our games. It's me and Joe. We have a great time when we're playing. But we we go over why we do everything. But I did something yesterday. I mark my knights with a dice. So I so I can then move my knight 12 inches and see his line of sights. And then if I don't like it, I can put him back to where those dice were. And then I can move him in a different direction. Right. Because I'm not gaining any additional movement then by doing that. Right. Um, I'm not like, oh, I'm just going to move him forward, but then move him back and then move him again. And all of a sudden I've moved him 18 inches or something. Yeah. Um, I've marked where he is. That's cool. Joe's happy with that. We've got our intent laid out. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well. So when people um, watch my battle reports sometimes, they'll be like, oh, but Steve, you you did this. And actually that was out of phase. But me and Joe are cool. We, we, we have that understanding. And I, and I always would say to somebody, prior to the game, I'd be like, Dave, how do you want to play this game? And if you tell me, Steve, I want to play to the letter of the law exactly as we play it, no go-backs, I'll be like, Dave, that's fine. But I will hold you to that same set mm. of standards that you're going to hold me to because we have a mutual respect for one another. Mm-hmm. 
if you said to me, Steve, I'm pretty cool. I'll play how you want. We'll play with intent, do a couple of go-backs, as long as it's not significant. Yeah, cool. We'll play that, Dave. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So, again, having that conversation prior um, is really important. I always say to my opponent, look, my three things are, number one, how do you like to play? Number two, what's your intent with this game? So if you tell me that you want to have just a really wicked fun time, great. That's cool. I'm, I'm happy with that. If you know, I'll say, I just want the best general to win. I'm not saying I want the biggest cheat to win or the biggest win at all cost player to win. I want the best general to win. Mm. I want you to bring your A game. I want you to challenge me up here and I want to throw down. I want a tight, close game that that's both got us there thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do it because you've got me in a right mess. Mm. I want that sort of stimulus. You know, um, I play this game for a reason and it's to escape, you know, it's for escapism. I want to leave my phone to one side. I want to be mm. fully immersed in this mental battle that you and I are having and the models just represent this this uh this game in, in this puzzle like you said there dave of what we're actually trying to achieve here um and then finally the last thing i'll say to my opponent is look i want this game to come to a natural end so i want both of us to get to turn five i want to play a full game i didn't turn up to this tournament to play two turns mm. i want five of them you want i want you to have five i want me to have five i want a full game in can we do that cool if so perfect yeah that you know i think that's actually a very good point to kind of lay out the expectation before you start again. And I think that helps to really mitigate confrontation. Really. It's yeah. like, well, you know, that's the expectation, you know, it, it, we letter of the law, you know, as much as it hurts it, that's what we agree to. And so yep. there isn't that, well, come on, you know, just give me this, but you know, that would really affect the outcome, but man, so there isn't any of that, which that's, that's probably the worst thing I would say in a game is when there's a disagreement about how that those situations come up with like gotcha moments i have the stratagem that uh heck even i forgot about uh that i didn't remember until now and that's completely thwarting your plans uh or or whatever it might be right those those types of moments are are what take away from the game they take away from the escapism yeah i think the um like i think is a is a i've had interesting thoughts about a gotcha moment stratagem okay because mm -hmm. i've got a few and don't get me wrong they're powerful they're great mm -hmm. and that's why they're in the game you i think let's take the most classic one i think most people know of is ospec scan right mm -hmm. the 12 inch so you drop you drop down within 12 you yep. get shot at yeah right it's bad it hurts real hard especially if you're gene stealer cole any army like that yeah now if i tell you i have it there kind of becomes i can tell you i have it right just off my own back but then it's kind of pointless me even having it in the first place now if i if you ask me steve do you have anything that can shoot me when i come down from deep strike and i say no and then later on i try and play ospec scan that's different yeah i'm one big cheat right yeah for i'm sure. not playing um how the game should be intended right if you ask me steve what's your maximum threat range with that unit with death company i'll say okay i can pre-game move up to 12 inches nine inches away from you then if i'm within this aura of my banner i can move 14 inches and then i can charge and i'll get a plus one to that so my maximum threat range is 14 plus 12 so it's 26 and i get a plus one so if you stay outside of 27.1 inches from me I cannot charge you. Uh-huh. Okay. If I forget my plus one or if I forget that 
extra two inch move I get from my relic and you ask me and I say, oh, you know, it's 12 inch move, 12 inch charge. And I say 24 and you're saying to me, cool, I'm 24.1 away from you. Then I, you've got full rights to go and get a TO and say, Steve, you told me it was this. You are not playing. And I need to take that on the chin because you asked me a direct question and mm-hmm. I did not answer it fully. I lied. Right. And if I forgot my own rules, then the fall on me for not knowing my own rules going to a tournament. Yeah. That's your number one code of conduct to yourself. Everybody else there, you turn up and you know your army. Because if you don't, um, yeah, essentially, like, don't be that guy that borrows his mate's army, rocks up because it's the best thing since sliced bread. And you get there and you're slow playing your opponent because you don't want a clue what it's done. So you're better off knowing playing the army you know than the army you don't i think yeah yeah no that makes sense uh so it's a, a good practice that we have here at mini wargaming uh when we fight amongst each other before we start filming is uh <laughs> we we you know we have our army set up on the side tables and we tell each other what's in the list we tell each other the war gear the strong stuff we tell each other the access to the stratagems and things to watch out for to mitigate any gotcha moments and so we're both on the same page. And there's also a, there's a, there's a pregame uh, power level uh, determining factor. It's like, okay, uh, to the best of our ability, if we know the army, if it's a brand new army, we don't know the power level, that's different. But yeah. like if we're, yeah. no, it's like, okay, I can tell automatically that this army will win turn one, whether I go first or second, we should probably change the army because it's not going to be a game. And so we, we have this understanding first. And sometimes, like, for the most part, it works out. There's the occasion when it doesn't work out because we don't know the army or uh, or it could be a different agreement beforehand. It's like, you know, I kind of feel like playing competitive today. Let's just bash each other as hard as we can. And it might only turn out being two turns. You just never yeah. know. And like, okay, all right. So, but it, it's it's rare. It's rare when there's a, there's a bad feeling because we've, we've put it all on the table beforehand yeah i had this um the co- the necron codex was new obviously recently and the blood angels came out and i said to joe who's i, I do my stream with oh by the way D- uh, dave he's a big fanboy of yours so it no retreat legends you're gonna have to watch out for him okay um <laughs> joe you said yeah joe coles yeah you have to watch out for him yeah okay um he's a big fanboy of yours so anyway He's Joe's um, a good person who taught who likes people. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, so he, he was using his Necrons. I'm using my Blood Angels. And Joe deploys his army pretty much on the line with the Necrons. Okay. Okay. We roll off. I go first. My death company go in. I make some other charges. And I pretty much tabled him turn one to the point where we could see where the game was going. He didn't have much left. Right. And everybody in the chat was like, Joe, you deployed badly, bloody, bloody, blah. That was terrible. Why would you ever deploy like that? And my argument is Joe made a decision in deployment. And that was if he steps, if he stays right the way back with his army, then the thing is what would happen is that I would have the table and I would just score the points. Like he's giving me the entire table. Okay, I can go on all the objectives, do all my actions, no pressure, no threat. So that, that's the problem. He loses straight away if he deploys on the back line. If he deploys forward, he's not giving me the board anymore. And now I'm having to make a decision. Do I send one unit in? Hmm. Do I send two units in? Do I send my entire army in? Or 
does it make me go, oh, hang on a minute, I'm not going to send anything in. Because if I send one unit in, it gets, it hits something, it kills it, then I lose it. It's a bad trade. If I send a couple of units in, one unit goes in, kills something, the second unit gets interrupted on, it dies. So I've got one choice, and it was to go all in. So Joe essentially took my decision-making process down mm-hmm. to a 10% chance of me making the correct decision. And because I have the experience with my army, I made the right decision, or it could have been luck either one. So um, there was a very finite chance that I actually made that play and it worked out in my favor. Now, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean Joe actually played badly because he was making a 90% gamble that I make the wrong choice. Right. And in some bad matchups, you just have to do that. Right. You have to apply. You, you know, it's like if you were ever facing off against a grizzly bear. Do you just run away? Do you try on the tree? Do you stand up and make yourself as big as you possibly can? I don't know. You've got to try something. Mm-hmm. So you've just got to hope that. And again, an inexperienced player would have probably made the wrong decision. Joe would have won the game with the Necrons and nobody would have been thinking that, you know, it was a terrible game or anything or Joe deployed badly because he would have made the correct decision. But as you said, sometimes an army in a certain situation on a certain mission will just do absolute wonders. And that's just unfortunately how the game will go sometimes. But I think the great thing about a a competitive tournament is actually there's already that leveler. I'm bringing my best. You know, I'm bringing my best. I know you're bringing mine, etc. But for the battle reports, I do exactly the same. I never want an army that's going to trash another instantly. You know, we never want that experience to happen because we want tight, close games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a one-sided battle that just lasts a turn or two. No. Yeah. Are you only 40k? Do you cover Age Sigmar at all? Um, so we did dabble with Age of Sigma. I haven't produced any content, but I did dabble with some of the... Um, I actually picked up a Luminef army. Uh, Joe picked up some Chaos. Um, and my favorite game, though, is More Time. Really? Yeah. Incredible game. So I really I really want to start producing some... Um, I'm developing some really cool-looking tables at the moment. So next year, I can do some More Time battle reports just for like a one-off or, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, Halloween. I'll do a More Time battle report to just to spruce it up a little bit do something a bit different yeah uh yeah i i, I had i did a campaign with uh with mordheim we're talking about the same with the gw's like old old uh yeah. campaign based fantasy yep. miniatures like skirmish you die, game. you lose your leg crazy stuff yes you know? yeah i love that i love that stuff it's like old school crusade it's uh yeah. uh which is fantastic by the way i don't know if you had a chance ever had a chance to do crusade campaign uh I haven't. It's that big section of rules I always have to skip through in my codex. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I love it. It's a, it's a you know, I, I recently ran a poll on uh, the Facebook or the YouTube community asking people mm-hmm. was there, how do they like playing 40k? Compa- like, uh, you know, match play, narrative play, open play. Uh, narrative play and match play were matched. They were they okay. they tied, mm-hmm. uh, which was very surprising. I thought it would be mostly match play. And then second was narrative, but it, it tied. I'm like, man. Uh, and I did it in multiple places, too. I did it on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, same thing. It was the, the numbers were very similar, uh, very close to 50-50. And uh, that's exciting because then it's uh, it, people get the story element that they can get into the hobby uh, yeah. easier 
I want to say easier because there's a system in place for them to get into it easier uh, and they can start small. And if you, okay, so here's a question then that, that leads to what I'm thinking here. How would you recommend people get into the game if they want to focus on competitive play? I mean, there's a great academy out there and it's called the Vanguard Tactics Academy, obviously, and you could learn everything you want from A to B of the game. But, um, okay, so what what do I focus on in that? And that is the fundamentals of the game. So you want to learn, don't worry about what units you're taking, don't worry about the models, don't worry about anything like that. You need to understand the movement phase and you need to practice with different models. And I think when you're learning to begin with, you want to take an army that is just the same everywhere. So just take 500 points of intercessors. Understand the movement phase. Understand that one gun, so you only have to worry about one profile. But what you're mastering is the movement phase. Moving through terrain, move blocking, consolidating, piling in, charging, um, how to hold objectives, unit coherency, stringing models out between one objective to another, how to zone out a table. All these things are so important because you don't want to worry about the stratagems, the water traits, the relics, the different weapon profiles. You just want to focus on the actual phases of the game. Once you've mastered that, introduce a vehicle. Mm. Once you've mastered that, introduce a monster. Interviews a bike, a swarm, a whatever. You know, There's so many different keywords. I think there's nine different keywords off the top of my head. Um, introduce each of those and understand how they interact with the game, other models, terrain. Um, and ultimately, then you're going to really start to build up a knowledge base of the game system itself because the game system underpins everything else. Once you understand the game system and you understand the missions, go through each mi mission sequentially, try out different secondaries when they work, when they don't, and keep notes. You know, like if you want to get good at anything, you need to really master that and actually think about again become a critical thinker about why is it that happened and once you know that you can then look at the game and go cool what army do i want to play go to go to games workshop go have a look at all the beautiful models go and pick the you know read some um i don't know white dwarf magazines in you know any any army showcases that really you know scream out to you or read a few novels and think oh, i really love the lore of Dante, cool. Blood Angels are for me then, because you've mastered the movement phase. Like when I see 40k, I just see the matrix. I don't see models necessarily now. I just see profiles, abilities. Um, you can give me any army you want. I'll probably do okay with it because I, it's just. Is that what you see? Different... That's what you just said. I, I just see the matrix. Yeah. Just, yeah. 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 Uh, and so, if that if that's the case, then what draws you to an army? For me, it's models. It's like how they look. It's the aesthetic of the models. Yeah, it's the aesthetic. I mean, I used to compete, like I said, in bodybuilding. So, sanguinary guard with shredded six packs all day long. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd be tempted to start playing Age of Sigma just to collect Slanesh now for that. Um, mm. What's his name? I don't know his name, but he looks incredible. Sigmund Sig Sig Sigvold something like that yeah what a model what a model um but so there there's models that really appeal to me also i love combat you'll rarely see me play with a shooting army interesting I yeah i believe that the game is won and lost in the movement phase and the charge piling and consolidations is just another movement phase so for me i get two movement phases 
and for me combat is exactly where it's at so harlequins bloody rose sisters blood angels um my eldar army is literally 30 banshees um anything like any army that's out there i'll try and do combat tau i'll take farsight and i'll just make him do everything for me whatever i don't know combat is for me the one so um i can't wait for chaos to get a new codex whenever that comes hey you know you and i both brother like that's that's what i'm waiting for that's you know some i want i want some new models for corn berserkers that's what i want and i want to take a corn army like a real hard-hitting corn army like world eaters could get, oh yeah could get on board with that yeah um what else is cool um so yeah you can kind of see where i'm going chainsaw jump packs i'm in yeah so uh, I saw in the comments someone was congratulating you on becoming an official GW tester. Yes. Um, yeah. Is that an acknowledgement of the comment that I just read to you, or is that an acknowledgement of the fact that you are a GW tester? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a play tester for Games Workshop, so uh, that was an absolute honor to become, uh, obviously, to have the opportunity. And um, it's been an absolute incredible um, experience working with the guys so yeah it's been a real eye-opener as well is that something you're uh, i mean obviously you're talking about it so you're you're able to talk about it uh and uh it, it kind of sounds like it's past tense now is that a thing that was it's over or no it's oh. ongoing oh it's ongoing that's yeah. fantastic so yeah. if uh if a world leaders codex was coming out you'd be the first to know about it <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I can either confirm or deny. Um, yeah. So I can't, I can't, I can tell you that I'm a play tester, but I can't tell you anything more than that, unfortunately. Right. Right. I uh, know. That makes sense. Uh, but it's obviously. Um, so you're telling me there is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. There's, I mean, there's a, it's 40K. There's a chance for anything to happen, right? Right. Uh, that's what I would want. Uh, most i actually want that more than a new chaos space marines codex is a world eaters specific codex not codex okay. supplement its own codex like thousand tons or death guard exactly yeah. yeah with new models new rules unique stratagems like everything to go with what an army should be as a standalone army with a new angron demon primark model like of course. all of that would be a part of it like that'd be just a dream come true oh my goodness yeah yeah, and in fact, I would take that. I did a poll recently. What would you rather have? New Primark Angron model or new Berserker models? And I said, well, Angron, because that, that doesn't exist, right? Like, Berserker, they already exist. So let, yes. let's, let's have the new model, and then we can convert up the others how we wish. Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Uh, so what's your favorite points level to play? Oh, it's 2,000. 2,000, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's the only points value I've ever played in Ninth Edition. Yeah. So I'm curious about something. You had your channel for 18 months. How long have you been playing Warhammer? So my first ever tournament was um, the last ever tournament of Seventh Edition. I rocked up to Warhammer World with my, um, or it was their it was their kind of expo they did Warhammer Fest. Mm -hmm. I rocked up with an Eldar CAD combined arms detachment mm -hmm. and um, I had a real mix match of army like stuff. And the I soup? turned up and everyone's 
everyone was like, no, just like a bit of this, a bit of that. Like you see from White Dwarf, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, everyone's like, where's your Wraith Knights? Where's your triple Wraith Knights? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't got one. Can't afford one of them. And um, anyway, so I actually did really well in my first ever tournament. I went three and two. I think I finished 17th. I was like, that'll do. And then 8th edition literally landed that same day it was announced at Warhammer Fest. So literally 8th edition was my birth, I suppose, into competitive 40k. Um, I found out that there was an England team when I went to that first ever event. And I made it my ambition to make the England team. And currently I'm in the top 16 at the moment to get selected. So I'm happy about that. Um, and then when I found out that Games Workshop had playtesters, I was like, I want to be a playtester. That sounds awesome. So, uh, yeah, again, huge highlight for me when I got asked to become one. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Eighth edition, really, is my birth of 40K. I used to play one as a kid, but I didn't know what I was doing. So what made you want to become a competitive player and a coach of the game? I've got a very... Um, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been bodybuilding. And when you're a bodybuilder, the only person you compete against is yourself. Mm -hmm. No matter who you turn up against, you only compete against yourself because you don't know who's going to turn up mm -hmm. and you can't do anything to change your opponent. All you can do is literally work on yourself to improve. And 40K was like, I had that exact same mindset when I started playing 40K. So I just wanted to become the best I possibly could. Um, I then started making content because I found it as a good expression of... Um, you know, a good little break from my other work as well. And I thought I'll give it a try. And I really wanted to tackle, I actually had a really bad experience at an event and I made a video um, regarding it. I touched on it slightly and then that really kicked off the channel in terms of sportsmanship. And then later on, I played the same individual again and I had another terrible experience. And I made the video, um, which was called my opponent and his yellow card. And, uh, I really tackled the, I wanted to tackle people's opinions on what sportsmanship should look like in the game of 40k and how we as a community and we need to be organizing events to ensure that it doesn't happen. Um, this, this kind of experience that I went through and how we can tackle some of these kind of bad actors as it were in the community. And actually since then it kind of, spiraled i was interviewed on i think on pretty much every podcast about it um and we really started to ch make a change which is awesome and the, the game is getting better and better it really is and i think i would encourage absolutely everybody to if they've ever considered going to a tournament just go go with an open mind the communities are amazing you're going to meet some incredible people some of my best friends now are people that i've played at events um and I cannot wait to get back to playing competitively again at tournaments. I just, I just can't wait. So, okay, so that that's an interesting thing. Uh, from the sounds of it, this uh, negative experience it was like actually helped to drive the channel at first, and ultimately turned out to be a, you turned it around to be a good thing. Yeah, because there was a yeah. lot. It sounded like there was a lot of emotion behind the experience and, and a drive to make it better because of that. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we've all had difficult times in our lives and I had a situation with my previous business, with my fitness and nutrition, I had a terrible experience with it. 
uh, lost lots of money, friendships were broken, business went sour, stuff like that. So 40K was a really good release for me, but the best thing that actually ever happened to me was my previous business going through what it did because it allowed me to find 40K. And every single bad thing that ever happens to you, you've got two choices. You either eat it and you let it completely overwhelm you or you focus on the silver lining because there is one. No matter what the bad experience is, there is a silver lining in there somewhere. You know, when I could have looked at it and thought, right, yeah, I've lost 30,000 pounds. I've had to move back in with my parents and lots of things that really could have led to some really bad mental health problems for me. But I thought instead of focusing on that, I'm going to start something fun, something fresh. And I built Vanguard Tactics with literally, I think I had uh, 80 quid in my bank account and I bought a logo and I went from there. I built my own website. I got up at five in the morning. I started on the website building the YouTube before I started my kind of nutrition business work. Um, So I worked from five until nine. I walked to my Starbucks and I just worked on it every single day to get it to where I wanted it to be. And I think if you focus on the positives that you can make of something, no matter how bad that experience is, you can really do something good with it. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Uh, And congratulations for, uh, on what you've done, what you've been able to accomplish with your business and your channel. Uh, And if you guys are watching, whether you're watching live right now or watching after the fact, there's a couple of links that I've included in the post here, whether you're watching on Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. Uh, One is to, Vanguard Tactics YouTube channel, and the other one is to their website, to your website, where you can uh, sign up for your coaching to be a better player. Uh, and so that's all available in the links uh, below. Uh, Steve, we're going to change gears really quick here and yep. do a chaos comment bomb because it's tradition. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, for those who are watching right now, this is something that we, uh, that Stephen has chosen. Uh, so if you're watching this, Mr. Liam, uh, th- you'll know uh, who sent this love your way. Uh, and I agreed, of course, because, uh, you know, you're a good person. And when I say Liam, I'm talking about Liam Dempsey. Uh, and I'm just posting a bunch of links here in the chat. This is uh, if you haven't participated in a chaos comment bomb before, this is how you do it. You click on that link that I provided there and you leave a comment on this YouTube video. And it could be something like Dave and Steven say hi from the Shrine of Chaos. Or you could say, uh, play more Death Guard because uh, uh, that's a better choice than uh, the other ones that you've suggested recently. Or maybe it's uh, continue doing what you're doing and spend more time with Winters because uh, it's cold over here and somehow he's named Winters, but he's a warm guy. Whatever you want to leave, I don't. it doesn't matter. The comment doesn't matter. All that matters is he knows that he's been chaos comet bombed by the shrine of chaos. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, and I'm just going to click on this to see the uh, comments. Excellent. This is very good. Seeing the newest comments first. Uh, so actually I, I, I gotta give Liam credit here. Uh, if it wasn't for Liam, I never would have met you, Steven. Uh, and there's a, a number of other war gamers you two being war gamers in the community that I have met since, and it's because of Liam. So thank you for that. And uh, this is just sending sending some love Liam's way. Yeah, Liam is a super helpful, just absolute legend. So uh, yeah, give him all the love you can. Love it. 
Can I, um, Dave, can I do one plug for your listeners? Absolutely. Plug away. So on Sunday, I am doing a free masterclass for 40K. And it's called The Five Pillars of Becoming a Great 40K Player. It's on Sunday at 4 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, which I think is 11 a.m. your time. Yeah, five hours. Yeah, on Sunday. It's completely free. And we have a super chat enabled. And anybody that uses a super chat to ask a question at the end, all the monies get gets proceeded to Movember. So for the entire month of February, all money I raise via YouTube will be going to Movember to support those people that are having a tough time at the moment. And so it's kind of like an educational, but also a charitable cause, really. Um, and I'm going to be covering the five key things that I think make a great 40K player. Um, I'll give you a bit of a sneak peek, but we're going to be covering how to identify your own skill level and understand the areas that you need to improve on personally, how to write a critical and competitive army list, how to generate a game plan, maximizing every phase of the game, and how to control the tempo and the flow of the game as well. So they're kind of my five pillars that I'm going to do a one to two hour masterclass on on Sunday. And it's free to sign up and all the links are on my website. So um, yeah, if you're interested in that, I'd love you to join. It'd be epic. Perfect. Uh, well, thanks again, uh, Stephen, for joining us today in the Shrine of Chaos. And uh, thank you guys for leaving your comments and participating as well. Uh, Great to have you. You're welcome back anytime, especially being a Blood Angels player uh, and uh, not playing Tau. That also helps. And uh, I don't know if you play Tau. I'm just, uh, just kidding there. You could probably give me uh, tips on how to beat them. Oh, wait, right now they're easy to beat because they basically don't have close combat. Okay, uh, got it. Uh, <laughs> play Blood Angels against Tau and you automatically win. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned next week for the Shrine of Chaos, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, thank you again, Steven. Thank you so much.